Coog's house. It's homecoming. Hashtag for the city. Is it going to be a running of the Bulls or running over of the Bulls? Welcome to Locked on Cougs, daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Answered, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to step by, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and download the podcast each day for the latest in the Cougs all year long. If you're subscribed, our show should pop up on your feed each day so you can make sure to make Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you're listening today and my voice is particularly dried up, it's because I just coached a handful of football games. Yes, a handful. We can get into more of that later. I guess you can find me on Twitter if you want to talk about that. But today... We're going to wrap up our week of previewing the USF football game this weekend for homecoming. Yes, we're playing the University of Southern Florida, of South, South Florida, South Florida, USF this weekend. We're going to talk about what we think will happen on the offense in the first segment and defense and make a prediction in the second segment, the third and final segment. We're going to look at another super deluxe secret, top secret scrimmage happening between our Houston Cougars and the Dukies. But first, let's talk about the Houston Cougar offense. So the Houston Cougar offense is currently scoring a decent amount of points. I think it's worth pointing out that even in losses, Houston has managed to put up a lot of points on the season. Right now, they're in the top 50 in points per game out of 131 schools. I think that's particularly impressive when you remember as a group of five school, they've played a pair of Big 12 schools and already played Memphis, one of the better in-conference competition, or some of the better in-conference competition. they put up 30 or more points in all but one game so far. Plus, when you look at their PFF grades on passing, pass blocking, general offense, they've continued to go up over the course of the season. Obviously, they really, really blipped in the Rice game, but even if you continue to navigate Afterwards, they went from the high 60s into the mid-70s, and I think that's impressive when you look at and I say mid-70s, some of the games are actually a little higher in different categories, that that means that the offense is growing, and I think we all kind of are picking up hints, even though no one will just ask him directly, but some of that may have to do with the fact that Holgerson is taking over the play calling. Again, it felt like after the Kansas game, certainly after the Rice game, we were all putting his name on the chopping block about is he going to be worth that big buyout come January 1st. And more or less, since that conversation, or since those conversations, I should say, after the loss to Tulane especially, it feels like the offense is in a little bit different gear, especially like the way the offense played in the fourth quarter against Memphis, and then into the bye week, coming out of the bye week, into the Navy game. Now, you've heard me say it several times, of course, this podcast, obviously, out of the two of us, I think that they should be going a lot more up-tempo and going a lot faster in like NASCAR all the time. It just feels like it's one of the advantages built into this offense. I don't know why they're not doing it. But I will say that I am impressed to see that they could control the game in the Navy game with tempo. And I think that we're looking at some sort of a game where it's going to be a lot of high-scoring, big-play touchdowns throughout the entire USF game. Now, I say that in part because we'll get to the defense in a second, but that also seems to be how USF scores. But I really, really do confidently feel like Houston's going to put up a lot of points. We think about the game from last year, right? Houston put up 54 points last year and only won by 12, right? So this is the kind of game that suddenly can like get almost out of hand, right? Because it's so high scoring and it's not that Houston's never been a part of those, right? I think I just saw a clip trending on Twitter the other day because Case Keenum's nine touchdown game popped back up. Like Houston has always been able to score points, but I think they're going to have to this season. One thing I'm looking out for is how do they cover Tank Dell? Now, obviously everyone in America knows to cover Tank Dell, so I'm not saying anything that anyone would, I'm not giving anyone any secrets, but I will say that 
if I am the USF Bulls, I'm probably mugging him up underneath with a guy over the top, and that probably leaves someone open for Clayton Toon to throw to. What's been interesting in watching Houston play is that it's not necessarily that they're going to like combo routes and rub routes on the Tank Dell side, but once the coverage is shifted over, they just attack the other side of the field. So I would look for a guy like Sam Brown to have a big, big day. Maybe if they went trips one side and isolated Tank on one side, you get some big plays out of Keyshawn Carter and really, really open this thing up. I think it's interesting to see also how Stacey Sneed does with the start at running back. You know, we, we talked in our segment on Tuesday, I mean, it was Wednesday about Tuesday's media availability, where Coach Holgerson is a very firm believer in the idea of having four running backs over the course of a season, and it feels like it's kind of Stacey Sneed's turn, so I wonder if that's going to be how things go out of the backfield. On the whole, though, I'd anticipate that that's a guy that's catching a lot more screens or a lot more swing routes and things like that. I think the ball's going to be in Toon's hands a lot this season, and and that I mean, I don't mean that to say like I'm like worried about it. I just think that that's going to be where they have to put the focus of the offense against the USF Bulls on homecoming, not just because it's a fun game, it's 11 o'clock today, it's a homecoming weekend, those kind of things, but also because bluntly, that's kind of how these games go with South Florida, right? And so I just feel like that's where Houston's going to put their horses. They're going to really tie it to the pass game. And what's interesting is because Houston has spent a lot of the season trying to figure out who that number two receiver is going to be, if you look like statistically on the season, after Tank Dell, it's kind of just up for grabs, right? Sam Brown has come on as of late. Matthew Golden probably had the favor more early. Keyshawn Carter is kind of the third guy in the wings the whole time. And obviously, we're still waiting to see Joseph Manjack the fourth come back. I, I just wonder who pops up in that role because I just feel like they're going to need a lot of balls in the air. Don't be surprised if it's got like Matt Burns. Matt Burns got a lot of burn, no pun intended, in that Navy contest. So it may be his turn to step up to the plate. Obviously, I think we're a little favoriting of Christian Trahan on this side after the big play he made a few weeks ago, but maybe that's just the same name recognition and we're hoping for the best out of the kid. I don't know who that number two receiver is. Again, if I'm putting my money on someone, I'm going to keep saying Sam Brown's name over and over and over. The West Virginia transfer understands playing a big time football games and frankly is a guy that I think always wanted to play in the Holgerson style offense. And I, I think that it's really kind of going to be his coming out party, not just because it's a homecoming party, but because it's just a byproduct of what's going to happen to Tank Dell. Now, I say all of that. If South Florida is really this banged up, it could also just end up being the day that Tank Dell goes off for 200 yards of his own and cements this, this idea that he's an NFL type of wide receiver. Now, the thing on Tank Dell is just 5'10", 155 pounds. I know it's going to be a long uphill battle, but this is the kind of game that he could put some great NFL tape together because I imagine there will be these circus Hollywood type of catches amongst double coverage, leaping and bounding, all kinds of guy. I really think that Tank Dell can be that type of guy. And so I wonder if this is the kind of game where he really shows it off. He's just kind of always been an underdog his whole life. Speaking about underdog, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. Now, I scanned underdog earlier today looking 
versus where I wanted to place my money. And I got to be honest, I'm looking at a couple different spots. One in the Ohio State and Penn State game, I'm going over on CJ Stroud's passing yards. I got him at 314 and a half. I'm going over, over, over. I also looked into our future opponents in the Big 12. TCU is heading to West Virginia, and I'm going to go over 277.5 passing yards for Max Dugan as well. I just feel like it's TCU's kind of year in the Big 12, and I feel like it'll be our kind of year in the Big 12 next year, and so I'm hoping to see, you know, we'll see if that goes right for me. Or Those are my two recommendations, CJ Stroud and Max Dugan over on pass yards. Now, it's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You just pick between two and five players across any team, not just our Houston Cougars because they aren't available this week, and decide if they will finish higher or lower than certain statistical categories. It's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there. You can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with promo code Locked On, all one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, you get $100 for free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, so the far more interesting side of the ball to me in this football game is the defense. Not just because it didn't show up a year ago, right? Again, we talked about that game earlier. 54 to 42, explosive plays all over the place, right? Opening kickoff gets taken back to the house. That was a really, really fun football game to win, I guess, uh, if we lost an explosive game, I don't know if it would have been quite as fun. But this is a chance for Houston's defense that is currently ranked based on opponents' points per game 110th out of 131 Division I schools to really step up. As, admittedly, this is in part because South Florida is ranked even lower. South Florida is giving up more yards, more points, uh, having not quite as many penalties, I guess, at the one place that Houston is worse at defensively and offensively. But I, I will say that this is the kind of moment where if Sack Avenue gets after a younger, or I should say less experienced quarterback, then suddenly you know you have Nelson Caesar making powerful plays. You've got Jamari Caldwell making big plays. You've got Dot Nwankwo making powerful plays. You've got all these impact players in that front line, and they're going to be going after an inexperienced Contravious Marsh. Now, Marsh is a big-arm passer that he he moves around the pocket, but not quite as well as Gary Bohannon. So I feel like Houston really could pin their ears back and get after this guy. Um, honestly, I think they kind of have to, even though the South Florida offensive line is like the kind of offensive line that has they had returned like four or five starters. I think I'm reading that right from last year. And they, they had a pretty good year a year ago against Houston on the offensive line. And so I, I think it's natural for us to be a little bit worried about that. But Marsh is the kind of guy that will give you the football if you put a little bit of pressure on him. And I think Houston's going to be able to do it with four the more I watch the South Florida offense. One of the reasons this offense ranks so highly as an offensive line unit is because Gary Bohannon was out putting the ball on the edge, getting out in space, and doing things that really, you know, corrupted the defense or messed the defense up. You don't get those same things out of Marsh. He's not quite the same kind of runner. He doesn't do quite the same things. And he probably has the better arm, right? So, like, I'm not saying that he does not have weapons. And as Coach Belk mentioned to us earlier this week, he's got real Florida speed on the outside next to him. South Florida's been putting up nearly 400 yards of offense per game. They've been scoring in both ways. They've been scoring on rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns. And I think that Contavious Marsh can kind of make them a little bit more one-dimensional. And Houston's got to really force their hand in that instance. I also harp on the defensive line of Houston because, bluntly, if they can't get after him and make Marsh make some mistakes or turn the ball over or get in his face and, you know, like get him off his spots, all of a sudden you're looking at great Florida speed 
guys like Xavier Weaver, Jimmy Horn Jr., or even Daquan Stanley a little bit, getting outside and past the Houston secondary, which is still relatively like kind of the weak point of the defense. Now, that's not to say that Jace Rogers is not having a much better second half of the season or the start to the second half of the season because of the third quarter of the season. We're going to call it third quarter of the season. Jace Rogers is having a great third quarter of the season, and so I feel like that's worth promoting. I'm not trying to say that they're not, and maybe this is the game that they really, really turn it around, but that's just kind of the weak point right now. It's not Donnie Mooton. It's none of the front line guys, obviously. It's the back end, and with his arm and their speed, South Florida presents problems on that back end, and I'm not sure what to do if they can't get to Contravious Marsh. Now, understandably, like we didn't need the defense quite the same way last year, right? It was a 54-42 to win, and so clearly it wasn't because they played great defense that they were able to beat South Florida a year ago, but I do think they're going to need a better defensive performance this year, not just because they aren't maybe necessarily going to put up the 54 points. I do think Houston's going to put up a lot of points, and frankly, if things are really, really clicking, maybe this is finally the game that they put up like 60 points. It's been a long time since we had one of those games in Houston, but the defense has to step up to make sure, frankly, they get the ball back in order to score that many points. If you look at the way that Houston has lost this season, frankly, the games they lose this season are, if you look at like games they miss tackles, right? Against Tulane, the deal was down the stretch of that football game, especially in the late fourth quarter, Houston missed a lot of tackles, right? If you look at the Texas Tech game, the game that went into overtime, they nearly won or could have won in overtime. They missed a lot of tackles. The Kansas game, the only not close loss of the season, they missed a lot of of tackles. And so as I look across their season as a whole, it's going to just come down to can they tackle the football? And I I really, really think that Belk seems to have his game plan put together. Admittedly, maybe I'm just buying into the Kool-Aid from the other day. I just, I feel like as a whole, it's going to be rallying to the football, getting to the football and making secure tackles and keeping guys in front. And with the big arm of Contavious Marsh and the speed of the wideouts, We have to get there with the D-line. I don't see any other way to make this possible. Now, I do think that it's worth pointing out that in every game but one, really, because I guess you could round the other one, Houston's pass rush grade on pro football focus is an 80 or higher, I guess all but two football games. Um, And so truthfully, that is again and again and again. I'll say it a thousand times. I don't say it once this year. It is the strength of this team, the defensive front line, and that shows through in the games that they win. I mean, obviously Rice, they like that's their big one of the season. Like they won a bunch, bunch of points. Navy, they beat pretty handily, right? They got an eighty-one point one in that game as a pass rushing front. But even against like Kansas, their worst game of the season, they had a sixty-eight as a pass rush and bluntly a seventy as a pass block. I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. But if you look at like the strength of this football team. You could argue the offensive pass game and like the short dink and dunk mesh type concepts, short throws, long gains. Defensively, it's got to be the pass rush because it's the only thing Houston consistently does well. If I look at the way that they continue to cover on the back end, they're getting better. I think the kids are great kids. I just feel like they're going to be a lot better 
if we get after the quarterback. So that's the way I think that this one has to go. If I were going to make a prediction as a whole, or just look at the game as a whole, I do think Houston wins this game. I've said that since our bye week when I made some midseason predictions. I think South Florida is just a little bit in over their head. And bluntly, I think Houston is looking to move into bigger and better things and moving into the Power Five. I think the interesting thing here will be is that I do think Houston gives up some points in this game. And so I could see Houston winning somewhere in the range of like 48 to 30, right? Or, uh, you know, 54 to 34 or something where like they've scored a lot of points and won fairly comfortably, but did give up a lot of points because South Florida is explosive in specials and is explosive at the edge and has that explosive speed. And the D-line can't do everything. As much as I want them to do everything, they can't do everything. And so I feel like I feel comfortable saying Houston wins this game, barring some catastrophic something. But I just don't know that I feel comfortable they're gonna like pitch a shutout. I don't think it'll even be as comfortable as the Navy game. And we remember there was a part in the third quarter of the Navy game where like that game was getting a little like extremely, I should say, uncomfortable, right? I just don't think that this is gonna quite be that comfortable a win I do think that Houston wins I don't mean to worry yourself I, I guess we sit here and talk like I'm, I'm trying to like find nitpicky ways that Houston might get you know chinks in the armor kind of stuff and I, I guess at the end of the day I do think Houston wins the football game so calm down Houston's going to win the football game against South Florida on Saturday homecoming's going to go great go have fun party that night but I will say that my concern is how they do it and I'm not seeing a whole lot of over-unders out there but I would hammer the you know total points over hard. I think this does get, turn into the kind of game where you're seeing a total of like 80, 85 points. I just think that 50 or so of them are going to be Houston's, and I think that that is kind of going to be the formula against the South Florida team. And frankly, we'll get into it next week because next week's a fun one with SMU, but it might also be the formula against the SMU Ponies. All right, so in the third segment, we're going to do a little bit of hoops talk because this weekend we also have another super deluxe top secret, secret, secret scrimmage between Houston and the Duke Blue Devils. Now, if you know anything about Kelvin Sampson, you know this is a tie to his homeland of a lot of ways. He is from North Carolina. He actually has a crazy background and upbringing story. We can talk about that at some point in the podcast, I'm sure, when we get into more into like basketball-only talk because Kelvin Sampson's truly got a unique growing up store or set of stories I should say from growing up in North Carolina and I feel like the Dukies are both a top tier program in North Carolina and a program as a kid growing up in North Carolina he probably really really enjoys beating now he was very very quick to point out after the Texas scrimmage that you don't necessarily win a scrimmage but I feel like this is another one that like all fans would like to be watching even if it's untelevised and really really hard to find any information on admittedly a lot of the information i'm finding i'm looking up on duke websites i'm not finding a lot of stuff from houston coming out about this which is interesting to me for sure now for the opponent duke we are still learning some about who coach john shire is in his second year as head coach of the duke blue devils their second year away from the coach k era and so on with houston i feel fairly comfortable saying we know a lot about who they are at least culturally and at least like the kinds of things that they're going to do on the basketball floor so I I feel like that's the interesting test here is like Houston's got a culture and identity and Duke is kind of looking for theirs now we don't get to watch this so I don't know how it plays out but I will say that looking at two top 10 teams in the preseason AP poll there are high expectations for both both teams will be very very competitive this year 
And I wonder what it looks like when you see like Marcus Sasser attack the lane and run into uh, Kyle Filipowski and Derek Lively, who are both like seven feet tall, right? Big, big power five type of bigs, two of them at the same time. I also think it's going to be interesting to see like how does Tremont Mark play with Derek Whitehead? Derek Whitehead was obviously a big time recruit out of Montverde and I you know I wonder you know what kind of a test that is for our wing depth like does Jarris Walker draw the Derek Whitehead matchup or does he draw the Kyle Filipowski matchup and I feel like that's gonna be an interesting thing to hear whenever we get to hear about the scrimmage after the fact I'm sure we'll be finding ways to check in the scrimmage after the fact I just wish we got to watch it I also think it'll be interesting to see like how they lay out the scrimmage the Texas scrimmage was obviously laid out a lot more like a traditional game with some extra time at the end for young guys and walk-ons and I wonder if that's going to be another focus here like with the focus on defense in Houston like are they going to want to have the same kind of intensity for a full 40 minutes and like really try and ramp up things as they get ready to play Northern Colorado on the 7th and the St. Joe's at the end of the week I just we're coming up on that thing pretty fast this is the last weekend in October and we play November 7th and I feel like this is the kind of game that or a scrimmage I keep wanting to say game that we all really like to watch and I all I know is a couple things. One, it is not being played at Fertitta. That'd be too much going on with all of the nonsense, <laughs> nonsense, all of the homecoming chaos. Is chaos a better word? Chaos. All of the homecoming chaos means we can't play the game at Fertitta. I don't think that Houston's going to take their team away and all their people away from homecoming to go out to Durham. So I don't think it's happening there either. Now, that that's about all I got. We'll figure out more, I'm sure, as we go throughout the weekend. I'm sure there'll be leaks of some sort throughout. I'm hoping Jairus Walker puts on another show. I'm expecting a dominant performance from Marcus Sasser. I think Jamal Shedd will have his fair share of fun times. I also wonder how, like, Javier Francis will fare against, like, a pair of seven-footers, right? Like, he's big for us. He's our big man. How will he pair against true seven-foot talent those are the kind of things i would be watching for and certainly the kind of things i will be reading for after the fact if you want to talk about any of this with me the homecoming football game on saturday the basketball scrimmage that may or may not be happening but it's definitely happening it's just a secret also probably on saturday make sure you find me on twitter at painsworth 512 that's p-a-i-n-s-w-o-r-t-h 512 on twitter instagram and all your social media platforms i will be posting episodes of this each and every Day. I'll also be posting anything I'm writing, etc., reading, talking about sneakers, etc. I post a lot about Houston sports, so we can talk about all things Cougars and Houston there. Find me on Twitter again, that's at Painsworth512, P A I N S W O R T H. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, let me recommend Locked On Astros. They've been following the Astros throughout their run at what we hope for is another World Series, so make sure you go tune into them for your second listen as you get ready for the World Series to start this weekend so make sure you go tune in locked on astros for your second listen thanks so much if you want to help out the show make sure you download subscribe do all the more things about the podcast go kooks